Well, Mike, it is official the eve of the Western Conference Finals in the OHL playoffs begins Friday night, and it will be the London Knights taking on the Sarnia Sting when the Sarnia's matchup wise, it's the first ever time they have been in the finals. We are going to break it all down as we get into episode 53 of the night shift. Kyle Gamard and Mike Stubbs, your hosts at Stubbs 980 on socials with two B's at Kyle Gramard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, globalnews.ca. Mike, uh, as of the recording Right now, we are one sleep away, and it's about time we drop the puck here. A sleep, an NFL draft, <laughs> a Leaf game. The sports world gives us an awful lot, but I think there are a lot of people who are interested to see how this one turns out and what we learn, even from just game number one, because this is so special. It is something that's been waited for for a long time. Anybody who was born... Let's say, I don't know, what time do you start watching hockey? You're about five years old, so that puts you born in 1994. So we're looking at people who are almost 30, who have no recollection of a London Knights Sarnia Sting playoff series, and the only one that's ever happened, we outlined this on the last podcast, there wasn't a lot to it. It was the first round. The Sting hadn't been in Sarnia very long. The Knights were coming through a difficult part of their franchise history. And it's like when players get to a championship series, they always think, oh, well, I'll be back. No problem. I'll have a chance to win a lot of Stanley Cups, a lot of Super Bowls. And then they never come back. And so that's what it's been like. Let's put some perspective on this because we can let the stats, the numbers back this up. Kyle, since 1999, the London Knights have played Kitchener and Windsor eight times each in the playoffs. They've played Guelph and Erie seven times apiece. Owen Sound six times. How long has Plymouth been out of the league? The Knights had five series against the Plymouth Whalers. Saginaw three, Sault Ste. Marie two, and maybe the capper to show how crazy this has been. The London Knights have faced the Niagara Ice Dogs twice. And in order to play Niagara, you have to get to the OHL Championship Series. It's happened twice. And yet the Knights and the Sting in all of those series right there have yet to meet. Uh, and they're one and they're two of the closest teams in terms of proximity in the league. And it's funny how you work all those stats in, Mike. And it's not been for lack of effort on the Knights end. And, you know, for Sarnia, you know, they've had some good teams in the past. And I think you can make the argument, too, saying this is probably one of, if not one of the best Sarnia Sting teams that they have been able to assemble. And rightfully so. It's their first Western Finals matchup. And they finally get a matchup against the Knights since, well, basically what you said, 99. To all those people who are, are just about to turn 30, Mike, I am right in that wheelhouse. So this is new territory for me. It's new territory for a lot of people. And we've got a lot to break down heading into the matchup. Do we ever? Because this is a matchup that gives it all. It has offense coming from all directions. You never know who's going to score. Neither one of these teams really relies on a game-breaker guy. Even the Sarnia Sting, Nolan Burke, has five goals and 12 points. Luca Del Belbaluz has six goals and 11. Ty Voigt, two goals and 11 points. Sasha Pastajov has 10 points. So a lot of numbers showing just how closely 
the offensive leaders are on Sarnia, same sort of thing on London. You've got six guys who have 10 points in nine games, and some of them have even more. Sean McGurn leading the way with 16. But overall, we've got an awful lot of balance there. Ryan Humphrey, six goals in nine games. He's not even in that 10-point club yet for the London Knights. That will likely come pretty early on in the series, the way that he has been playing. So, yeah, the offense comes from all directions. The defense is deep and talented. And the goaltending... Well, these goaltenders have combined for seven shutouts in the first two rounds. Four by Brett Brochu, three by Ben Godreau. And it's, you know, it's that cliche where goaltending takes you far in the playoffs. And for these two teams, that's exactly it. Ben Goodrow has been one of the better goaltenders this year. Of course, he was part of the Team Canada World Junior Hockey Championships team. I know Brett Brochu spent some time there last year as well. And, you know, these guys have been playing lights out. You know, we've talked about this before in the podcast, too, about last year when Brett Brochu was basically thrown back into playing action in his first game action was game one against the Kitchener Rangers. He didn't get any games to get his legs underneath him in the regular season. He had to jump right into it. You could just tell something was a little bit off. Well, this year, he's had a relatively healthy season. He goes in and he is playing some of, if not the best hockey that he has played in his London Knights career. And that's including... OHL rookie goaltender of the year and OHL goalie of the year in general. And he's setting OHL records and it could not have come at a better time for Brett Brochu to step up his game. It couldn't have come at a better time for a lot of Knights players. You talked about Sean McGurm, Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan, all of these guys playing incredible hockey. The pickups that they've had, Ryan Humphrey and Ryan Winterton have been amazing in the playoffs so far, and they're going to need it because there is a lot of offense on that Sarnia Sting team. Is there ever. And so you've either got to match it or find a way to keep it in check. And the chess match of this series, we'll hear from Dylan Hunter a little later on talking about that and maybe what to expect. And even he's not too sure which way this will go. But I was at practice this week, Kyle, and it was like you didn't want to leave. There was such a great vibe. And the reason that there is such a great vibe is because all of these teams at this time of year, the four that are remaining in the OHL, the four in the Western Hockey League, and the four in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, they've all accomplished something. They have made it to their respective final fours. And so there's just this, this enjoyment. As much as there's preparation and you're getting down to business, there is a true enjoyment of everything that is going on. You've been able to play this late, and you have a shot at playing even later. And you're starting to see that, you know, if if we win two more series, we're champions, and we're going to the Memorial Cup, and all four teams are going to be experiencing that. Dylan Hunter has experienced it as a player, as a coach. Here is Dylan on just that feeling that exists at this time of year. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's all year work and you know video and coaching on, coaches on you for doing little things here and there trying to get better and then once you get to this it's just uh, you get kind of get a bond with your team it's a different I don't know it's hard to explain but you know once you get to this level of playoffs there's battles guys going through injuries guys making big plays guys blocking shots and it's like once you get to here it's like you know you just kind of meld together and something that you don't have you know a lot of not a lot of teams come here and and get to go to the conference finals so it's uh you know it's just the camaraderie of it I think the guys uh 
something special I get to see them do again. That is London Knights assistant coach Dylan Hunter, who always has such a great way of looking at things. So many little lines that he uses. If you don't know, don't throw. And that's something he tries to instill in defensemen to keep them from putting pucks up the middle. If you have young defensemen that you're coaching at the age of seven or eight, teach them that little rhyme. They'll never get themselves into trouble tossing pucks up the middle. No goalie likes when pucks are going up the middle, Kyle. Oh, it's so simple and so effective. It's it's you know when in doubt off the off the glass and out. That's another one that I remember you know hearing my coaches say when I was playing hockey growing up, and to the point when I played junior hockey, when you need to simplify things, especially in the playoffs, and especially you know as a defender who you just you just don't want to be the guy, Mike, that makes the mistake. And I think that the Knights' defense has done such an amazing job through the first two series. I mean, it's gone to show they've only lost one game so far in the first two rounds. And I feel like one of those guys that has really stepped up and, and played to that really simple role where, you know, if you're a defenseman and maybe you don't get noticed on the ice, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's maybe a good thing. Ethan McKinnon has been great for the Knights in these postseason so far. So steady and doing everything that you need to do. All those little things, you're right, that won't get you on the stat sheet very often, but certainly will get you noticed by your coaches. And Ethan McKinnon, has maybe a different look at this because he's from London and his family had season tickets as he was growing up. So here is Ethan talking about London versus Sarnia just from his own experience, first as a fan and now as a player right in the thick of it. Every game they played, it used to be a battle. Like, like they wanted to kill each other after the whistles. There's always something, even though maybe the game wasn't that exciting. That we don't like each other. So look back to this year. You had what we were calling the Finch Cup, the Battle of the 402. What did that do for the rivalry this year? Did it bring it up a level? Yeah, I think it brought it up a level. I think having two good teams also brought it up quite a big level. And yeah, two good teams that compete every time we play each other. So it's, it's going to be exciting. First meeting in the playoffs since 1999. No one was even born. No one on either roster was even born. How different does this feel or does it just feel different because it's now the conference finals yeah I think I think it's it's new area for all of us like we've never been to the conference finals so it doesn't really matter the team we play it's exciting it's new and uh yeah I was hoping to hoping to really come out on, on Friday what has it been like having some time down in order for the blocked shot bruises to heal is that an important thing at this time of year yeah yeah going down the stretch winning in four games in the first round, like you really realize how much it can help you and help you stay healthy and all your team, even Jackson Edwards, who was hurt there in the end. Now he's, he's ready to go Friday. So these days are really important for us. So preparation this week, how's it been going? Good, good. Hard practices, uh, studying their team, studying our game, finding out what we have to do to win. London Knights defenseman, Ethan McKinnon. And you heard that injury update in there, Jackson Edward who had suffered a head laceration after colliding with the boards in Kitchener. He's good to go for game one. So that's big news for the London Knights. And that's an important part that brings up maybe 
A closer look at these two teams, Kyle, because these two clubs have been using 11 forwards and seven defensemen at times. Very few teams will do that. The Leafs maybe talked about it before the start of the playoffs and really done it in the playoffs. The Knights have used it on a regular basis. The Sarnia Sting have used it on a regular basis. And it speaks to that depth on defense that these two clubs have. But we'll see whether both teams use 11 and 7 in game one. I don't know if that's a first. It probably isn't. But it might be a first when you don't have a whole bunch of injury concerns. And that's why you're going 11 and 7. This could be by choice for both clubs. Well, and credit to the players playing too. Because it's it's made the coaching decisions significantly difficult thinking that, you know, you can't take somebody out of the lineup because they're in such a good rhythm, because this rotation is working and you're getting different defenders with different matchups. You get forwards that you're able to mix around a little bit more. As a coaching staff, you get to kind of play with the matchups and play with your pairings and and setups and put the guys out that you think give you the best opportunity in that shift or during that game or period or whatever. And it gives them a little bit more creative control. And, you know, one of those guys that is really, I mean, we just talked about, but, you know, Ethan McKinnon's one of those guys we talked about not necessarily being on the stat sheet. He's got five points in nine games and leads the Knights with a plus 10 rating so far. So the mixing and matching has done the wonders for for most of the players and i just i want to give credit to them because they've adapted really well you get comfortable playing with certain guys and once you kind of get out of the rhythm it might be hard to get back into the the, the thick of things but these these players on both teams have done a really good job adjusting specifically for us more than knights but it's been really fun to watch and it goes to show because the last two teams in the western conference are the teams that are going 11 and 7 that's it. Well, let's break them down. We talked about the Sarnia Sting getting offense from all over. Ben Godreau and his three shutouts. You've got a tremendous defense. You've got the thunder and lightning of Ethan Del Mastro and Christian Cairo. The Sarnia Sting had the number one power play in the regular season. So this is through 68 games, Kyle. Now, it hasn't had the same sort of success in the playoffs, but danger doesn't go away. A dangerous power play is a dangerous power play, right? Well, and you don't want to wake it up either. You don't want to give Sarnia opportunities and reasons to get their power play clicking. And you go through the lineup, and Nolan Burke was a 50-goal scorer for this team. He scored 50 in just 56 games. You've got two 40-goal scorers on the board with, of course, Sasha Pasajoff and uh, Luca Del Belbaluz. Ty Voigt was second in the OHL in points with over 100, and he had 20-plus goals as well. you got Christian Kyra on the back end who had 77 points and 20 goals as well. So there's there's a lot of weapons and you know if you know you're London, you want to keep up your your strong penalty killing that you've had so far in the playoffs and not give Sarnia opportunities and reasons to get their power play going because if they do, that could cause a lot of problems for the Knights. It could make them a little bit more timid to to go and be aggressive and and not try to take penalties and allow Sarnia to kind of play their game. So it's you got to you got to find the line a little bit, but as long as London keeps moving their feet and causing Sarnia to do things the hard way, they're going to make life difficult on them. Sarnia has the ability to do what the Knights can do on the power play, which is give you a lot of looks. If you take away the cross seam pass through the slot, they can go from the point. And if you take away the point, well, they can be very dangerous. Nolan Burke, you said his name. Sasha Pastajov, you said his name. 
Ty Voigt setting things up. It is the London Knights power play that in the playoffs is sitting at 29.2%. So that's been big for them, and it really got itself going against Kitchener. So special teams are always massive. Goaltending is always massive, and they will be again in this series. Team matchups. Kyle, I think one of the things we watch for, and we might not be able to see this purely until game three because the Knights have the last change in the first two games, but who Sarnia wants to put Ethan Del Mastro against? He's such a good defenseman. Do you want to put him against, if the Knights keep their lines the same, George Diaco, Sean McGurn, and Max McHugh, because you've got that veteran savvy, or do you want to put them against Ethan Del Mastro against Easton Cowan, and Ryan Winterton and Denver Barkey. I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. Del Mastro typically plays with Ryan Mast, so we shouldn't take anything away from Ryan Mast. He's a draft pick of the Boston Bruins, and that is essentially their shutdown pair. If they want to match up against one line, that is it. I think it makes a lot of sense, Mike, to go with that first line, the ladder with, you know, Sean McGurn and Diaco. you got that veteran presence and, you know, Max McHugh, who's, you know, only played in, uh, I believe it's six games so far, but he's got three goals and four points and he scored a couple big goals for the night so far. Obviously, McGurn leads the team, but you're right. It's you, you can take away that line, but then the line of Barkey, Winterton and Cowan have combined for 34 points in nine games. So both those lines are going. It's going to be very interesting to see if maybe they do a little bit of balancing and switch, if it's a feel thing for the coaching staff, if they know that maybe the McGurn-Diaco-McHugh line is going, maybe they make that switch halfway through the game. But, you know, that's the benefit of the Knights this year. They've got, like you said, six players with at least 10 points and two lines that have really been going and carrying them so far. And we haven't even talked about Ryan Humphrey, who had six goals in nine games and has scored overtime winners, has scored big goals and series clinching goals for this team. So you're right. That matchup is going to be interesting. I would make the guess it's going to be on the McGurn line, but things might switch if the Winterton Barky Cowan line gets going. Well, that is part of the chess match that will play out. We asked Dylan Hunter whether he has a feel for a series that will see some offense or are we looking at really low scoring games? And here was his response. Um, you know, I, I try to tell the guys, once you get to this situation, guys that haven't been there before, there four teams that are left are, are they're, they're there because they don't have any deficiencies or, you know, there's a few things here and there. Once you get to the conference finals, finals, it's uh, – a mistake here and there, uh, you know, trying to prevent it and trying to capitalize on one. So, you know, you can't really look at either team and just go, yeah, this is what we can do. It's, you know, they're 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 deep. They got some good skill guys. They got some good heavy forwards. Obviously, their decor is solid, sound, and you know, goaltending. Obviously, world junior caliber level. So, it's a good matchup. It's going to be a hard fought. When you look at the style of play, do you think? We're going to see low-scoring games. I mean, these goalies have combined for seven shutouts in two rounds. It's hard to tell. I, I'm not a goalie guy. I don't try to think like a goalie guy. Uh, I just try to prevent them right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you don't know. I mean, obviously, we've each other watched each other's games. So, you know, they trap when they have to, and they forecheck hard. And, you know, they have some big guys in front that clear rebounds. So, you know, we're expecting, obviously, a tight, a, a tight series. Even the coaches aren't sure. That's Dylan Hunter, Knights assistant coach. And, Kyle, I think – no fan can guess this. We're just going to have to watch this play out. The teams probably don't know because, as you've outlined, and as Dylan said, they have the ability to 
essentially play it any way you want to. You want to run it big and go offensive? We can do that. You want to play it tight and go defensive? We can do that too. And so this is going to be fascinating. We might see a little bit of everything from game to game. Yeah, we really would. And, you know, I think the the confidence of both teams being able to say that, Mike, really lies in net. And this is where I think it's going to be one of the best matchups so far. It is Brett Brochu versus Ben Goodrow. It is Brett Brochu who has won back-to-back OHL goaltender of the week honors with his four shutouts in nine games. Or the Ben Goodrow who has only lost twice and has three shutouts to go of his own. I think if you are wanting a goalie matchup in the Western Conference Finals, I feel like this would be the matchup that you want because both guys have played on the big stage. They play with big markets and they are, you know, you know Ben Goodrow is a World Junior Championship goaltender. Brett Brochu was a part of the, the original team before the COVID pandemic shut it down and he was at some point starting for team Canada. So I, I am very intrigued. Brochu is playing about as well as he has ever played. And Ben Goodrow, we have seen him play in big moments. I'm excited for this matchup and to break it down too. Definitely. And the depth of the players and the depth of the lineups, they can be seen. I mean, the Sarnia Sting have Marcus Limpar Lance playing with Sandusville Manis going through to the end of their Saginaw series. Those two can be very dangerous. They can score big goals at any time. So, yeah, like Dylan said, like you've outlined, you get here and there aren't a lot of weaknesses on these clubs. Now you go strength on strength and you see how it all matches up. Kyle, in the other series, we've got the Peterborough Peets and the North Bay Battalion. We've got another Hamilton Bulldogs factor in that one. The Knights certainly have a Hamilton Bulldogs factor. Guys looking to get back to the Memorial Cup. The Knights have three of them. The Peterborough Peets have Gavin White, who was selected in the U18 OHL priority selection years ago. Latest selection ever to play, just signed with the Dallas Stars. They have Avery Hayes, and this is a team that has a lot of game breakers. I always think when you look at a Peterborough Peets team getting to this point in the season, I always believe the Peterborough Memorial Center is one of those factors that you have to consider simply because hockey's different there. The flow is not the same. You can't play the dump and chase that teams will like to play at times in the playoffs because of those square corners. You get weird hops. It's just different. And I really think it gives the Peterborough Peets that true home ice advantage that the Boston Bruins used to have with the old Boston Garden or that used to exist when things were a little bit different. We didn't have so many cookie-cutter ice surfaces. This is one of the only ones that's not a cookie-cutter. I think Peterborough has the advantage in this series. Well, and you brought it up when they when they went in to play the Ottawa 67s, Mike, as you said, we will see how Peterborough shapes up and we'll see how good they really were this season. Ottawa was the team that really loaded up. They acquired, uh, you know, Logan Morrison and a few other players to really come in and fill out their lineup. And Peterborough found a way. Now, they also acquired their own big star. And, and, and Brennan Othman, who's a first-round pick of the New York Rangers, he was a second overall selection in the OHL priority selection. But you've got you know um, veteran depth down the lineup as well. Owen Beck is still a big part of this team. And you look at the top scorers so far. You've mentioned them. Um, Avery Hayes and Connor Lockhart. And you know they are, they're ready to go. And they showed that they're the real deal, Mike. And the other team now that they've got to take down the other giant is one of, if not the best, you know, maybe defensive team left in the OHL that is ready to go. And they also have a lot of firepower on that team. Matt Petroff, Ty Nelson, and Kyle McDonald 
all lead the way with 18 points so far for North Bay. So as much as we're looking forward to the matchup in the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference is no slouch. That is going to be a fun series. And people are wondering why all of the games mirror each other exactly. So every time the Knights and the Sting play, Peterborough and North Bay play. And this is something that has been questioned a little bit online. Let me throw something at you, though. The NBA and the NHL, they have the luxury of saying, hey, we're going to play this game at 1.30 a.m. And you better be here. Their fans will be there. You telling me that if the Leafs and the Lightning played at 5 a.m., that place would be half full? No, it would be jammed. That's when it would be jam-packed. People would go to... People would go to sleep, Mike, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, wake up at 2, and start tailgating at 3. Exactly. So <laughs> we're talking about major junior hockey, which is an excellent product, but it's a gate-driven league. You don't have the same kind of hype that comes through on the 24-hour sport networks. You don't have all of that stuff that is that is out there, the, the fan bases that are bigger because the cities are bigger. So what you are is gate-driven and... It's building availability, sure, but it's also the fact that if you want people to come, Friday night is a great convenient time for them to come. That's when you're going to have it. Sunday afternoon is good, and you've also got to work out travel days and off days in the series. You can't play three games in three days. So the the fact that these two series mirror each other exactly, yeah, they didn't have to, but they wouldn't have been very different. It would have been one or two days apart. And that's just the way that it would have gone. If there had been more travel, maybe you had a Friday, Saturday, but the travel isn't too big in either of these series. So this is the way to space it out. This is the way the teams are doing it. They get every Friday night covered. They get every Sunday afternoon covered. And we have ourselves mirror images, which will make the broadcast fun because you've got the other side to follow at the exact same time. We are going to close things out with Landon Sim whose dad is in the Sarnia Sting Hall of Fame, whose brother is now a draft pick of the Sarnia Sting, selected in the fourth round. And for Landon, being a member of the London Knights, this now brings about a pretty unique experience in the Sim family. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's really cool. Um, I know we'd have to play them at some point. I just had that in the corner, corner of my mind. And, yeah, it's going to be a great series. You know, my dad told me a story. Uh, way back, he played like a Team Canada thing in Sarnia, or in London, and they booed him. Like that's just how much London and Sarnia don't like each other. So, yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be uh, really emotional, but, but yeah, it's it's I'm excited. Yeah, there have been guys from the United States who get, you know, standing ovations, and maybe it was a little different back then. But yeah, there is something London versus Sarnia. What's preparation been like this week? Yeah, you know, a lot of video on them. Uh, We've been grinding in, in the gym and practice and stuff, just kind of getting ready. And, yeah, we know they got a good power play. We know they got some firepower, and so did Kitchener. But we, we kind of adapted to what we had to do. And, yeah, we're going to do the same thing, hopefully. And we've just been getting ready. And, yeah, I think we'll be good. So, yeah. Players get excited to play no matter what. I mean, opening night is great. There are times during the year. What's this feel like? Yeah, round three, like four teams left. Winner goes to the finals. It's such a big opportunity for us. And, 
yeah, you know, everybody should be up and ready to go. So I can't wait. I can't wait for Friday and just got to keep our emotions in check and just stay even keel the whole time, try our best to do that. So, yeah. Well, we'll see if you and your brother do connect in the OHL. I mean, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun if he plays. Uh, you know, we always play a home-and-home against Sarnia in preseason, and that's early September, I think, and that'd be cool to play him then. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully he can make the team next year, and I'll be pushing him in the gym and on the ice to, to make the team. So, yeah, it'd be fun if I get to play against him. It'd be a great, great thing for our family, and, yeah, it'd be really cool. Good luck, Landon. Yeah, thank you. London Knights forward, Landon Sim. Kyle, we're finished our talking. The pregame show starts at 6.30 on 980 CFPL on Friday night. And then we'll start to break it all down on After the Buzzer, after game one. Every After the Buzzer will be posted here on our Night Shift podcast page so you can hear all of the postgame shows so you get up to the minute. Hey, what happened last night? That'll be here if you miss a game. So we'll have that for you. So (sighs) big deep breath, Kyle. London Sarnia, it's finally here. It's finally here. We've had a lot of sleeps, a lot of days in between, but the Western Conference Finals is set and underway. And like Mike mentioned, we've got extra coverage and reaction following every night's game with uh, after the buzzer. And you can listen to all of that on wherever you get your podcasts, whether it is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, globalnews.ca. You can follow us on socials at Stubbs982Bs, at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. We will see you with games to break down from the Western Conference Final. Puck drop, 7 p.m. Friday nights and then Sunday afternoon. Be there or listen on 980 CFPL. Mike, we will see you over the weekend and we'll be back next week with the breakdown. Can't wait. And wear your green. Remember, it's a green out at Budweiser Gardens throughout the series. <laughs>